Hey there. Before we begin the episode, I wanted to quickly introduce you to the Art Is Podcast's new partner, Artmo. Artmo is a community-centered marketplace where any artist can sell their work and any art lover can buy art commission-free. What's really cool about Artmo is it's the first platform of its kind that lets you sell both physical art and NFTs in one place. They're bridging the traditional art world and the Web3 universe, and I'm super excited about it. The best part? You can turn any of your physical or digital artworks into an NFT on their platform, adding provenance, security, and authentication to your piece. NFTs can be a bit tricky to understand and create, but thanks to Artmo's dedicated team, it's become so much easier. And that's not all. Artmo is not just a marketplace, but also a media platform where creatives can connect, network, and join open forums and discussion groups. It's a great place to engage with fellow artists and art enthusiasts. Also, it's totally free for artists to sign up, and there's no long application process or gatekeeping involved. So what are you waiting for? Join the Artmo community now and head over to Artmo's website to sign up and start sharing and selling your work. Go to artmo.com, A-R-T-M-O dot com, or check out the show notes of this episode to learn more. Taking the time to slow down and really understand, okay, what are the thoughts going on and how are they making you feel? So maybe you start with the feeling, like that feeling of imposter syndrome. I feel like an imposter. This is Art Is, a podcast for artists, where we brainstorm the future of the art world and the creative industries. Welcome to Art Is, a podcast for artists, season five, episode two. I'm delighted to be live again from the beautiful Tashin store here in Beverly Hills with my new co-host for the season, Lauren Hill from Curated Splash. Hello, everyone. As we start this adventure of this fifth season together, one of the things that was truly top of mind for me was thinking about the actual work that we do as creatives and artists and the different components that go into making creative work and how often we dwell on the physical side of making, the techniques needed, the materials needed, the skill set. We often focus, I often really focus on the detail of the work that I'm creating and I sometimes forget to think about the mindset that I need going into the studio but also just going into daily life as a creative. I know that developing this mind power and mindset is truly your area of expertise and interest. So I was thinking that to start off this conversation, we could just start talking about the creative mindset that is fostered in the studio or in creative life in general. This is near and dear to my heart because I have struggled so much with my own creative practice and my own creative blocks. You know, there's writer's block. That's like a big one that comes up for a lot of people, just staring at a blank page. And the same thing happens with every other type of art form. And so in thinking about that, I sometimes wonder, does everyone have this internal dialogue? Or is everyone aware of this internal dialogue that's happening when going into making your work and the blocks that come up? 
And a lot of that has to deal with limiting beliefs or negative thoughts that are happening behind the scenes, especially more on the subconscious level. And really taking the time to slow down, slow down your thinking, slow down your movement, and tune in to what you're feeling and thinking is the best way to uncover where you're being blocked and what you're being blocked by. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about how important it is to train your mind and go through the motions and practice these kinds of exercises in overcoming what it is that's on your mind right now or distracting you when you're in the studio, whether that's self-critique, imposter syndrome, comparing yourself obsessively to other people's work or status or success. These are all natural things that happen to all of us. Over the past few seasons, I've had the pleasure of speaking with so many different artists and creatives. Um, and one of the recurring things is this mental dialogue, this internal discussion that you're having with yourself, constantly negotiating with yourself how to move forward. One of the things that struck me most after working with you is recognizing how, just like with studio skills, these mental skills are things you have to practice and and get better at, that you're naturally not going to be able to control your mindset and overcome anxiety and fear and limiting beliefs just on the first try. So how do you go about introducing this internal discourse that we creatives have to individuals who maybe haven't thought about it so specifically before? Just, you know, going back to our first episode of success, I think that part of the way that you can become even more successful in your life is by becoming more aware and specifically more aware of what you're thinking. There's a lot of different ways to describe that internal gremlin. I've heard it described in many different ways, like turn down k radio and turn up sunshine radio, you know, switching the radio station that's going on in your head or the evil sister or the roommate in your head, the mean roommate. So there's all these different ways you can kind of describe this negative limiting belief thought pattern and bring light to it so that you can see it. it's not really just you. It's not you. It's a part of you and it's there to try to keep you safe. But essentially, you aren't it. You are separate from it. And I think that's the most important part to realize because once you separate yourself from that voice... A little bit you have more control and when you have more control you can create more of what you want and less of what you don't want so why do you think self-awareness of this internal roommate is so uncommon and so infrequently discussed whether that's you know at art school or in communities of creatives or online or wherever it is that artists and creatives meet. Yeah, I mean, I have my own thoughts about this. Sometimes I wonder if we're, you know, being programmed to live a certain way and the dumbing down of things so that we can't think for ourselves, so that we can't rise up and have more power. 
as individuals and create real change. I'm very curious as to why that doesn't happen. And that's part of the reason like I've devoted my life to learning how to become more empowered and more aware because I've seen how much of an impact it's had on my own life. I grew up in the Napa Valley. It was a very rural place back then. My mom was a teacher, a kindergarten teacher, and my dad was a truck driver. You know, I used to raise sheep and I didn't really travel that much. It was a very like simple life, but I always knew like deep down I wanted so much more. And just the little taste of travel that I got, I started seeing like, oh, wow, there are these incredible minds and, you know, artistic visions. And finally, like around high school, I started traveling more and really opening myself up to the world and realizing that you can create whatever you can imagine in your head like it's all possible it's just a matter of believing in it it's interesting to me to think about how the internal dialogue that you have with yourself can be both a positive force and also a negative force so could you explain to us how to begin labeling when positive thoughts come up and encourage those to grow and conversely when to understand what are limiting beliefs and constructions in your mind that are there to halt your progress and hold you back and foster anxiety instead of positive development. I mean really tuning into your body too, noticing how you're feeling, like I said earlier, slowing down. So when you're showing up to your practice, a lot of artists want to show up consistently and regularly, and a lot of artists struggle with that. And there's this desire deep down to do something, but yet you still are not able to do it. Why? So slowing down in those moments where maybe you're buffering, maybe you're eating instead, maybe you're running, maybe you're shopping. Maybe you decide that you're going to spend time with your boyfriend instead. You're just using whatever else to kind of cope to, to escape from those feelings that are coming up that are, there's this desire there, but there's also this kind of like fear. And it's really about having more of a relationship with that and tuning into your body. We'll give an example of you coming into your sculpture practice. So if I could ask you, like, are there any thoughts that come up for you sometimes when, if you were to imagine you're going out to work on some sculpture today, are there any thoughts or like even feelings that come up for you that kind of hinder that forward progression? One of the things that's been coming up for me is this idea of control and wanting to control all the different variables in my work. Of course, with sculpture, there's a lot of unforeseen things that show up in terms of making something that's too heavy, something that won't stand up, something that accidentally melts using the wrong product. Recently, I was making something out of styrofoam and covered it in a resin that I thought was perfect and 
I did my first coat of resin after carving this piece and I left the studio for lunch and then when I came back it had completely melted the entire sculpture. Of course I had mixed up the resins and used the wrong one and in that moment I was so upset because not only had I wasted materials and wasted money in my mind which is precious to me in terms of the investment that I can actually make in my practice but also time. And then, of course, I remade the piece, and then it wasn't, in my mind, as good as the first one. I was going into this, you know, slippery slope of perfectionism, and the more I thought about making something perfect, the less action I did, the more I was in my head, and the less I was actually making with my hands, and feeling the work in my body, and making actual marks. So I noted afterwards that kind of paralysis that comes with perfection. It's kind of a new feeling for me after getting to now be working in my studio pretty consistently for over a year. I have gone into more of this mindset of perfectionism and it's it definitely can hold me back and I know that's really common across the creative spaces but how would you recommend deconstructing that feeling and overcoming it both like on a daily basis when it comes up for you while you're working and afterwards when you're reflecting about your progress and how you're doing. And that's another place when the perfectionist mindset can come in to not only thinking about the physical work that you're doing, but where you are in this timeline of success that you've created for yourself, this sometimes incredibly unrealistic trajectory of progress. That is the perfect example too. Because in those times where our expectation is not really met, there's a lot of emotion that comes up. And here's another place where many people have not been taught how to feel their emotions. And so that's when we kind of, we bypass and that creates the block because then all those thoughts and feelings, like they're stuck and they're not being processed. They just keep cycling. And so going back to that example, it's like really allowing yourself to be with those feelings and get as upset and frustrated as you see fit. And this is a process that you have to practice over time. I used to not be good at feeling my feelings at all. Like I would never want people to see me cry. I would never want to cry because it made me feel weak. And now I see it as such a gift. When I feel the instinct, when I get upset, I allow it to take over my body in a safe place. If I'm at work or at a grocery store or like just not in a place where I really have a safe space to allow the emotions to be processed, like I'll wait until later. But just allowing yourself to really tune into those, feel it throughout your body and be fully in it. Let those thoughts come up. And this is a great time to journal to all the thoughts that you have. I'm not good enough. This is not working out. This is never going to work out. This is never going to be the way that I want it to be. Whatever comes up, getting it out of your body, out onto paper, and then getting yourself back into that neutral space so that you can consciously choose more empowering thoughts to align with 
to propel you forward. So it's really the first piece of it is allowing yourself to process the feelings. Sometimes it can be a very bodily experience, like maybe it's dancing it out. Maybe it's breath work. Maybe it's, you know, hitting a pillow, getting just really getting into the feelings so that they don't get stuck in your body. That reminds me of the Artist's Way book and the way Julie Cameron, the author, describes creative scar tissue. As artists, we face so much rejection all the time, just even in terms of applying for things, exhibitions, residencies, open calls of any sort. And it's really interesting that finally there's a bit more of a discourse publicly happening about the psychological side of being visible and putting yourself out there so deliberately. In the artist's way, it's described as if you don't get upset or mourn or feel those feelings of hurt or rejection or anxiety or whatever it is related to maybe not getting selected or not winning the grant or receiving harsh criticism that you don't understand by just ignoring those things and saying, oh, it's okay, it doesn't matter, I'm only going to have a 10% success rate or 20% success rate or whatever it is, we internalize that and it becomes self-doubt, which can be so crippling. And I just wanted to mention an artist collective that I absolutely love and have been a huge fan of for the past few years, Jiggle and Juice. They have actually started an initiative to increase transparency around the success rate of applications and Shay Miles, one half of the Jiggle and Juice Collective, is actually putting out her entire professional journey for other creatives to observe and she's commenting and sharing all of her applications that she's done. She's sharing both the successful ones and the non-successful ones in an effort to shed light on this issue that when you get rejection when you apply for a grant or a program or a project and don't get it you feel like you're the only one you feel so alone and you feel so much disappointment and whether or not that was the right program in the first place that's another whole topic but it's really interesting instead of bottling that up and brushing it away and brushing it under the rug to actually experience that and recognize the power of those emotions and then letting them pass naturally instead of just ignoring them, which is definitely what I've been doing for the past 10 years. And it's, you know, it's really refreshing to allow yourself to be upset, whether that's even just for a few moments, because you recognize, at least I've recognized how much I was letting these expectations have power over me. And then that would all contribute to that negative self-talk that would come up in moments that I was tired or I was feeling insecure or I wasn't feeling 100% that voice would come back and halt any creative thought. And there's so many different separate parts of us within that need to be seen. And part of that is the inner child, which sometimes that inner child needs to have a tantrum. And our adult selves can allow that to happen and be there to kind of support them in that experience. And sometimes the inner child wants to come out and play. So it's giving 
a voice to that inner child as well and not stifling it. I love thinking about preserving that childlike passion and wonder and curiosity as a source of energy that you can call upon uh, whenever you're pursuing experimentation or new passion. It's a really great thing to remember. So I was wondering, we've discussed this idea of the internal dialogue that you have with yourself. What other limiting beliefs have you seen in your practice of coaching that have come up consistently for different kinds of creatives? Yeah, so you speaking about your process with the sculpture reminds me of one of the sessions with my client who is a musician and she was trying to show up regularly on social media, but she had this idea of what she wanted her work to look like online and it being this very glossy finished product even though she wasn't really at that level yet and that was hindering her from even showing up at all and some of the thoughts that were going on were just like I'm not capable I'm not a good artist and taking the time to slow down and really understand okay what are the thoughts going on and how are they making you feel? So maybe you start with the feeling, like that feeling of imposter syndrome. I feel like an imposter. That's a feeling, that feeling of being an imposter. And what does that mean? So what is the thought that is going on that is making you feel like an imposter? Maybe that's, I'm not a good artist. So it's really about slowing down the process and seeing okay, maybe the thought, I'm not capable, how does that make you feel? Inadequate? Overwhelmed? Heavy? Exhausted? Really tuning into your emotions to understand how that makes you feel. And being with those feelings, like I said earlier, really allowing them to be there, having a relationship with them, processing them out. And then once you've been with them, switching into okay how do I want to feel so maybe I can ask you that so if you're going back into that place of you had created that sculpture you went through that process and say you processed all your feelings and you're in a more neutral state how do you want to feel when you're showing up to your sculpture practice for me the feeling is often different it's not always one thing. I guess something that I've been thinking a lot about is how to create a consistent baseline feeling that whenever I feel myself slipping into a negative space, I can return to. And so the feelings that I've been rehearsing and really almost brainwashing myself in a kind way to believe and to create this baseline of resilient thought is confidence and recognizing that I know what's best for me and appreciating feedback, critique, responses from others, from my community, from clients, from 
strangers online, Instagram comments, whatever it may be, podcast statistics, whatever it is, but recognizing that really the only opinion that matters is my own and trusting my own voice and trusting myself to make the right decision. So also recognizing that I know what's best for me in this moment. So if I'm not feeling well and I'm feeling tired, I don't feel 100%. And maybe even anticipating when I shouldn't do work, even though maybe I feel like I have to, I feel behind on a project, I'm not sticking to a schedule. Recognizing when have I set unrealistic goals for myself? When have I set a schedule that's just unrealistic to keep? And remembering that it's okay to take a break, to pause, to come back tomorrow, just being more good with that and not always second-guessing my decisions, whether that's creatively, whether that's for business decisions, whether that's whatever it is, just like listening to my own intuition more and less the external dialogue around me. So what I'm hearing is even when you tune into that feeling of confidence, that intentional feeling that you want to create, you're already starting to come up with some of those thoughts of, I can trust myself. I trust my intuition. I know what I'm doing. And how easily it can switch into those thoughts rather than, I'm not capable. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to fuck this up. And so really, you know, whatever that feeling that you want to intentionally create, confidence, maybe it's being in flow, maybe it's celebration, excitement, maybe it's just calm, surrender, whatever feeling that you want to show up to your practice with, what would you have to think in order to feel that way? And just by you tuning into the feeling of confidence, you already had a lot of thoughts that you could instill and you can return back to many times, which I like to think of as power thoughts. And we've done this in our coaching work together, our private coaching work together. And in a lot of the private coaching with work with some other clients, I'll just share with you some of the power thoughts that they've created. I create things that didn't exist before. Being an artist is about seeing the beauty in things. Artistry is a muscle, and I can work it out by being creative in so many ways. I'm awesome. I'm capable. I'm making positive, empowering decisions for myself. I can get this done pretty quickly. I love that one. That's something that I tell myself a lot when I think, oh, this is going to take forever. Is that the truth? So asking yourself, is this true? Even if it makes you feel very intensely, is it true? And then creating thoughts that are going to propel you in the direction that you want to go. It's really interesting how much of that is a deliberate process, especially at the beginning. It's almost like doing simple addition, like thought one plus thought two equals good feeling that's going to help me today and recognizing how systematic you have to be doing that and it's not it's not difficult it's not it's interesting an amazing creative and past guest on season four Susan Hensel has an excellent guide 
called Productivity in the Studio. That's a free ebook that I highly recommend you download. I'll link it in the show notes for this episode. One of my favorite quotes from the beginning of the book is, it's not rocket science, bridge construction, or surgery. No one's likely going to die from what we do. So just remembering to not always take every emotion so seriously, not every situation so seriously, and recognizing when you know you can dictate your mindset. And pairing that kind of really deep thought work with also not being too precious with your materials. I also often find myself being overly cautious with material experimentation. She says right in that book, materials are only materials. They're not precious in themselves. She uses the mantra, it's only paper. Practicing and recognizing that, you know, trusting yourself isn't always the easiest thing to do, but the more times you do it, the easier it gets. That reminds me of when I used to work at the gallery in Napa. One of my colleagues used to say, there's never an art emergency. Because sometimes we would freak out if something went wrong. And she's like, this isn't life or death. There's never an art emergency. And it kind of just like diffused the whole thing. And we're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's true. But yeah, just... Bringing it back to coaching one more time as far as really laying this out so that you can see it. One of the tools that I use in my coaching is called the model. What the model is, there's the circumstance, which is always neutral. It's a fact. So the circumstance would be you making artwork or me posting on social media. It's a fact. And then we have certain thoughts and feelings about the circumstance, which then create actions and then lead to our results. So by having different thoughts and feelings, you're going to create different actions and results. So it's really about having that relationship with what are the thoughts and feelings that I'm having to create the results that I want. So in closing, I just want to leave you with this concept of being your own coach. So you can always pay someone to guide you and champion you and celebrate you and strategize with you, but you can also do that for yourself. And all it takes is creating more of that relationship with that inner dialogue. You know, thinking about that inner child and you can be that support system encouraging them to keep going even when times get tough and you don't feel like showing up thank you for listening to art is a podcast for artists be sure to check out the show notes for any resources mentioned in this episode to access the episode transcript and more info on the themes outlined in season five go to artispodcast.com this episode was created by me, Isata Page, and Lauren Hill from Curated Splash, with original music by Black Wonder Twins. You can find them on all streaming platforms and on YouTube and Instagram under the same handle. Okay, that's it for now. See you next Thursday. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our podcast editor, AK Joel 
who's actually a professional video editor and YouTuber, but also edits podcasts. If you want to contact him about editing your own videos or podcasts, you can message him directly on Instagram at akjoel.films. That's A-K-J-O-E-L dot F-I-L-M-S. You can also find his contact information in this episode's show notes.